Hello and welcome to the Jeep and Bubba podcast. I am your host, Brad Jeep and Bubba Koran. We are back with a new uh, format and we're in Black Bear Off-Road. Some of you may be seeing this on Facebook recorded or some of you might be listening to this on the podcast whether you listen to um, Spotify or iTunes or whatever it may be. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I am joined by two guests as promised and this will be the new format where I try to bring uh, one or two guests every time, have little bit of a round table or actually a rectangular table discussion and we talk about things we normally just talk about in the shop we actually were talking about earlier in the shop we should be recording this because we were talking about different things in the jeep industry parts why you would run this why you wouldn't we were talking stroker motors 4.0s but anyways what we're going to do is we're just going to introduce the guys that are here they'll be here a couple times this year um and uh we'll just keep mixing it around but uh if you're watching this or listening to this, uh, to my left uh, is, well, in the video, it'll be my right. Um, but the skinny guy, we're all bearded, which is nice. But uh, Kyle, um, Kyle Hitch, uh, he has been my friend over 10 years now, been working with us since day one here at Black Bear Off Road. He's our, our audio guy, he does a lot of wiring, pretty much can do anything, but likes to do audio, and uh, has picked up welding since he's been here and does a lot of our. Uh, fabrication work and uh, on the other side of me is uh, Brandon me and Brandon became friends through Jonathan Woolley at S3 came on a ride at Beasley uh, brought a knife to a gunfight basically you know but uh, you've seen him before on the videos as Captain Chivo he has the XJ known as El Chivo and uh, he's built a a sweet little XJ that uh, has made the guys with you know 60 grand in their rigs really, you know, kind of hurt a little bit, you know, you stuck it to him a little bit, Brandon. That's right. So, um, uh, we got some Red Bulls here, Brandon's got a cold beer, I'm still doing dry January, so I'm just overdoing caffeine right now, um, but I got a week to go, so next podcast, we'll crack some IPAs, um, so I might be hyped up for this one, or a little loose in the next one, but welcome guys, how are you? Good, good, good to be here. Fantastic. Okay, so... In the old formats, typically, I would just start off by ranting about something and go off on that for a while, and then I would stop. So I do have a little topic in mind, and we'll start off with that, and you guys can give me your input. But one thing I've been thinking about recently, especially uh, now that I've been in the shop full-time, I get a lot of DMs, a lot of text messages, a lot of folks um, reaching out to me, asking questions. Just this week, for instance, I was asked about trail openings i've been asked about um you know not even just basic stuff it's like very googleable googleable it's like a googleable googleable uh very googleable um things i you know i'm torn i really and i'll I'll explain i love when people reach out because i feel like if i have the answer i want to give the answer i want to help people like like that's in me i want to be very helpful to people but at the same side of things it's like you get too many questions. You get asked too much, and you're like, "Ah, I can't get to this guy's answer right now." Or it's something very simple he can figure out. Um, it's making me think like, who do I give my cell phone out to? And I almost hate even talking about it on the podcast because then I'll get a guy that's very humble and nice. Go, well, you know, I didn't reach out to you this month 
um, about you know my winch because I knew you were busy. And it's like, no, no, dude, I wanted to help you. I don't want you to suffer alone on that. It's like um, some random guy in, in some random state hitting me up <laughs> asking me like, uh, hey, man, uh, what fender flares are those on that? And even then I like try to be helpful. But the subject I want to talk about is um, Jeep owner or off-road you know, rig owner responsibility. And what I have seen a trend of um, is not just in Jeeps, but in just in the world in general is a lack of accountability, right? So like one thing that worries me as, as a shop owner is I build your Jeep and then you go out and wheel your Jeep. But if something happens while you're wheeling it or after you're wheeling it, or even six months down the road after the install, whoever installed it for you, you still, still t- like people still want to like tend to blame them like oh this bolt came loose this jam nut came loose this and that happened um, this isn't normal I spent six thousand dollars on my exhaust or I, I mean my my suspension it should never have a failure ever no matter what and at, as a fellow jeeper I think we all have our own responsibilities I think you should do a nut and bolt check after you go wheeling I think you should wash your rig after you go wheeling. Um, and before you go out, just double check a few things. Is there oil in it? Is there cooling in it? Um, has it been overheating? Has it been driving good on the road? Um, you know, do you have any spares or extras or parts? Have you checked your jam nuts in a while? Cause those things do come loose. Um, have you checked for leaks? And it's just been interesting the amount of times I get reached out for these things. Um, I, we, you know, not every customer's blaming you, but they're like, Hey, you know, you did my left a year ago. And I'm having this issue. Could you look at it? We don't feel like you should have this issue. Uh, maybe they shouldn't. But in a lot of cases, it's like I can literally point to like, hey, you've had, you've put 40,000 miles on this thing. Have you crawled underneath it once? You know? <laughs> have you? Have, you, have well, my, the last time you greased your high. Well, this, yeah. You know. Oh, my suspension's squeaking. Um, <laughs> calling you out, Shelby. Uh, <laughs> you gotta grease your Heim joints, especially your rock crawler joints. You need to grease them every three months, WD forty them, like in between that. Um, but I want you to think, you know, you both own, you know, you had a couple of different rigs. Um, you both have Jeeps now. What do you think, like, the shop is responsible for, or like, do you think there's a, like like a level that like an individual should have of their own responsibility? Oh, very much. An individual has a has a responsibility. They're, they're, we as a community, we're bringing you an OEM mm-hmm. vehicle that's designed to ride as plush, as quiet, as smooth as it can on the road. And we're upgrading these vehicles. We're putting them under high stress loads. We're loading them down with uh, you know protection and armor and. You know, just all these upgrades, and we we are taking a road ready vehicle, and we're making it a purpose built trail rig. Um, you know, I mean, your tires, good lord, you're going from a, a thirty or thirty three inch OEM tire to a thirty seven or a forty or something. I mean, that is just a huge difference in in just overall sheer mass and energy. Um, and then you take that off road and you go to beat the heck out of it off road and you're expecting things just to, just to stay where they are. I mean, I'm guilty of this myself, so to say, I mean, last week I, I came in the shop and we're looking at, we're doing headlights on my Jeep and I'm yeah. like, as we're popping the hood, 
I go diving under the vehicle, and they're like, Brandon, we're doing headlights, yeah. dude. And I'm like, yeah, but I got a rattle. I got to check yeah. something. So, and we found a gem nut loose. Okay, yeah. so, um, so, yes, I mean, and, and, I'm, and I'm learning, okay? I'm new to this sport. I'm new to the hobby. I'm new to the industry. Sure. But, you know, I know now. Get up under it and check it every now and then. Make sure, sure stuff's good and tight. Make sure, I mean, you've got steering stuff and suspension, whatever. I mean, some of this stuff comes loose on the road at 80 mile an hour on the back oh, of the wheeling trip. That's a bad day. So, yeah, very much. It's it's owner responsibility to uh, to get under it. And you should make it a good practice because last thing you want to do, I mean, you know, you definitely don't want to have an accident on the road. But who wants to be, you know, you've got 12, 15 Jeeps you know, out at Windrock or something like that, and everybody's looked forward to this trip all year, mm-hmm. and because you got to go on, for, you forgot to go up under your Jeep and just kind of wrench on everything, make sure everything was good, and you end up with a failure on a Jeep, and you've just busted 10, 12 other guys, you know, yeah, wheeling weekend, because now we've got to fix your rig. Are you calling me out, Brandon? No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. Um, well, i got to give kudos to Johnny, our buddy Johnny. Like, it does seem like, the week or two before every trip, he's hitting me up like, hey, is there anything I need to think about? Do I need to get spark plugs? Do I need to change gear oil? Because I understand that like now every Jeep owner, every off-road rig owner knows enough mechanically to check those things out. Right. So you might want to shop to nut and bolt things for you before and after. Um, but you don't. if you look at an off-road race team, they have mechanics that travel with them. They check them during. They check them after. They can make adjustments. Um, we're not your your support team in the field. You know what I mean. So like, if you have a failure in the field, it's not like I can run out there and fix it. Or even over the phone, a lot of times we we get hit up. I get messages, pictures sent to me, and it's like, hey, what could this possibly be? And it's like, well, I need more info. I need to drive. And I, sometimes I can tell, right? But like, that's gonna be the thing that I think it's important for people like to grow in the knowledge of is if you're going to get out in the out in the woods out in the cut away from people you're going to be with a group of a few riders maybe you want to think of having a mechanic in your group or or learning yourself because it could mean the difference of you camping there that night or blocking the trail Absolutely. or slowing a trip up or whatever um till you can get back and, and get things fixed so uh, and maybe it's even a good idea to hit your your jeep builder up your mechanic whatever and be like you know what, what are some things, places I need to check on my Jeep before I go out? Um, maybe he can show you, give you some advice or whatever um, on that side. What do you think, Kyle? Well, I think also, uh, you know, to what Brandon said as far as, you know, making your Jeep heavier and, you know, armoring it up and bigger tires and wheels, you know, that is going to wear out parts faster. So your U-joints are going to wear faster. You know, your, your transmission, obviously, is going to wear faster than it would with factory wheels and tires um <clears throat> so re-gearing you know is good but you know you, you have to understand that it is gonna i mean you're gonna break stuff no, because you're, you're putting a yes. lot of stress so you know making sure that everything's good like you know brad said you know u-joints and you know make sure everything's greased you know is obviously something you need to do well i think i um, mean Absolutely, if you're going to, like, put your vehicle through severe mileage, like, something I heard recently about off-road racing that, or even off-road in general, that 
like for every 1,000 miles you do off-road, it's equivalent to like 3,000 road miles. So something to think about in that case, if you're strictly using your vehicle off-road, is you might want to change your spark plugs more often. You might want to change your oil more often. You might want to change your gear oil, transfer case. Like I'm in the practice of, on an older vehicle, changing the gear oil every 15,000. You might catch it where you've gotten some moisture in there, and that's going to lead to, to bearing failures and things like that. Um, I happened to change mine in an interval like that once, and it was like we had gone to Cassius Valley, did some water crossings that weekend before, and sure enough, it was milkshake inside right. the, that front end. And thankfully, I'd only driven it home and, and caught it. So um, water is lubricity, but not for very long. Right. So, <laughs> But that's just you know my two cents, and it's not like to knock anybody. It's just I want to like stir up people's thoughts on it to like, you know, we think about, bringing tools yep. we think about sometimes first aid food water but you know uh if you have a mechanical failure what are the tools are what is that going to do for you if you don't have service so you can watch youtube you may need a little bit of mechanical or like brandon brought up if you have a loose jam nut or a drag link or something and that pops up on the highway that can be that can be really dangerous we me and, me and kyle were riding the trail one time in a WJ, we didn't know that much about. We were doing a shakedown run, and I just start laughing. Oh, it was a shakedown. I hit the brakes and start laughing, and he goes, "What?" I said, "I can't steer it. The track bar fell off." Just, I felt it as we're running. Right. 100, 180 degrees. <laughs> he goes, "Why are you laughing?" I was like, "Well, there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, I'm just hitting the brakes, and thankfully, we were aimed in a way that we didn't <laughs> run into the side of this mountain. Um, wow. And we went down the trail, and I we, think you we, found yeah, it. Yeah, we found it. Really. We found the nut, uh, lock tied it, and uh, and we're fine. But uh, yeah, I didn't even put that track bar on. It was just already on the Jeep, and it fell off, thankfully, on the trail, because we had just rode two hours on the highway yeah, that to get there. But uh, that that's just kind of my point that, uh, you know, I think every owner has a little bit of responsibility. And, again, if you're the kind of person who, like, I don't want to get dirty, I don't want to get underneath there, I just want to go off-roading, um, you may want to find someone to bring along with you that can be that person. I think that's kind of cool about our group. We do have, um, and what we would call the Black Bear Trail Team, a mix of everything like Kyle is a registered EMT um we have guys with all different varying experiences like I'm there's a we have a lot of mechanically inclined people in our group but uh I, I would consider you the trail fix king I'm well trail fixes are trail fixes are permanent fixes if they get you until home. they break again yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> there's plenty of those if it never gives you an issue don't touch it yeah I mean yeah, we re we rewired my fuel pump with like all red wire. Yeah, all red wire and um, electrical tape, and Stayed it like lasted like a, six months. Man. It was now it's like that long. It was that. a long. I think time. it was almost a year. It was like that till I dropped the tank to do a fuel pump. Mm-hmm. It lasted so. Uh, trail fixes are great. All right, we'll move on. But yeah, just personal uh, responsibility of an, an off road owner, I think, is an important thing to think about, and maybe just put in repertoire. You know, something I'm big on recently and I've been kind of like jamming home is like if you're new to the hobby, uh, maybe not necessarily like yet. You might not realize it yet. But if, if you've been in it a while, you've probably thought to yourself, I'm committed to this like long term. Like this might not be the Jeep owned forever, but I'm always going to have a Jeep. Right. I'm always going to go off road. I'm always going to overland. If that's your case, like if you're going to be in a hobby and immerse yourself, then realize there's like so many areas you can delve into like that's what i think is cool about it like if i get really good at mud bogging i can get into rock crawling if i get into rock crawling and i get tired of it, i can go overlaying if i get tired of overlaying i can get into sand i can get you know i can get into racing right. i can get into technical 
I can go back to small tire and do technical. I can build something dumb big. I can build a buggy. There's so many different like areas of it. Um, so this is just another area of maybe building up your mechanical sense. Uh, I commend anybody who starts putting parts on themselves too. Like just trying to, even that takes away from my business. When you put that part on as you're wheeling, you're kind of thinking like, oh yeah, put that bigger tire on. It feels stiffer. I know how that tire attaches. Ooh, that rock's going to hit that tire on. You know that it's there. I mean, oh, yeah. someone who's never been in a Jeep, they don't even think about it or know where it's at. So. You gain more of an appreciation and an intimate knowledge of your vehicle. And um, it's just, it's one thing to pay somebody to slap some parts on. But when, you, when you're when you busting your own knuckles and getting up under there and, yeah. you know, learning what it takes. And, you know, number one, you're going to learn to appreciate your mechanic. Mm. And, <laughs> and two, you know, you you are going to learn, you know, how your vehicle operates. And, you know, to... To you know, Bubba's comment about those of you, we, me, myself, that are new into this industry. I mean, I've, I've been in it with you guys a year. Yep. I mean, I was in mountain biking competitively for, you know, four or five years or something, you know, before this. But I started out in the same way. I mean, my, my knowledge base was nil. I mean, I, I knew nothing about it. My first bike was a Walmart bike, okay? Yeah. I ended up building my own race rigs. Uh, to, the same degree to what we're doing here. I've got a good mechanical mindset, but don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, sure. Be respectful of your mechanic's time, <laughs> as Bubba was you know, referring to earlier, but don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, if, if he's cool with, you know, questions after hours or something like that, keep it, keep it respectful, but ask the questions, you know, yeah. and, and, and gain that knowledge for yourself. And, you'll find that it's not going to be long you're going to begin to share knowledge and helping others in your situation mm-hmm. as well absolutely well we'll move on but good but good good topic uh so as part of this new format i've kind of gone to the guys and asked them to bring up some things that they've seen in the industry maybe i've missed maybe i've heard about them so that we can share kind of our opinions on up-to-date things it's not necessarily Welcome to the Black Bear News Desk, and we're telling you breaking news, but it is things that are relevant and new in the industry, and we're going to just share our opinions. So I'm going to start you off, Brandon. Uh, I think you've got a couple topics or things you've seen recently. I do. Um, and this is um, it, it's one topic, but let's say two ends of the spectrum, okay? Um, so when we first began to hear of electric vehicles, I thought you were going to say COVID. I was nervous there for a second. I don't <laughs> no, want to get political. No, no, no. So, you know. When you, we first heard of COVID-19. Right? So, you you know, you used to hear guys, you know, building up their golf carts or something and going oh, yeah. hunting with, you know, yeah. making 4 by 4 rigs. Sure. And that's all fine and good. Yeah. Um, but by and large, I mean, for the most part, the electric vehicles came across to be uh, penny-pinching. If you will, mm-hmm. money saving, you know, sure. be frugal and, and whatnot. And, Nissan Leaf. And, right, and environmentally conscious Tax and whatnot. Credit. So, mm-hmm. and that's great. But, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm the elder in the group, if you will, okay? I mean, so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I doubt I'm, uh, you know, 45, and so, I didn't, you know, yeah, I'm on up there. <laughs> I'm the one with a solid white beard, okay? So, uh, so anyway, electric vehicles... In the off-road industry, okay? Yeah. Whether it be you're seeing e-bikes, mm-hmm. okay, on mountain bikes. Mm-hmm. 
Dude, I raced at That's 200 plus pounds a single speed steel frame oh, yeah. mountain bike. Okay. And these cats are coming out with e-bikes yeah. <laughs> on mountain bikes. Okay. Yeah. Don't even get me started. That's what I would need if I was in a race though. <laughs> I would need the e-bike. Okay, so yeah, right now I'm in no racing shape. But, um, so I'm seeing it more in our hobby. Okay, you've got the 4XE. Mm-hmm. Okay, number one, you take what's already a top of the line package in the Rubicon. Yeah, the Rubicon, yeah. And you add another premium price to going with the 4XE, you're tacking on an additional 700 some odd pounds worth of weight. Okay, mm-hmm. Is this really an off-road chassis? Or is this just, yeah, I like the Jeep. I want to be, you know, associated with the Jeep, whatever. But I want to be, is there an off-road application mm-hmm. for this? You know, that you can go out and it be, I understand the concept of electric motors, and but these aren't electric motors. Yeah. You know, this is, this is battery operation. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's your take on that? I mean, as far as Jeep mm-hmm. getting into electric vehicles or an electric assist hybrid, however you want to call it. Uh, but I am seeing other vehicles in the industry that are coming into all electric mm-hmm. offerings. Um, whether it be for, I mean, you got a you couple hundred Rivian, mile range. You got the Hummer. You yep. got the F one fifty Lightning. Yep. Um, There's a new one in the U- Cybertruck. Yep. In the UK, um, I found uh, an article on Alpha Motors, the Wolf okay. Plus EV. Oh wow! It's an all electric vehicle. Okay, two hundred seventy five to three hundred miles, mm-hmm. dual four wheel drive motors. Okay, six and a half seconds, zero to sixty. I mean, it's an impressive on road vehicle. Yeah, okay. Is great. Yeah, torque's great, dual electric motors for climbing or wheeling or this or that. But, I mean, come on. You're overlanding. You're not going to be crossing creeks and this yeah. and that. I mean, what's what's your long-term viability of this off-road vehicle that's all electric? Sure. Uh, cost of maintenance and everything else. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? So, I'll be the last combustible motor owner on this planet. Like, if I can keep getting gasoline and keeping my combustible motors running, I'm going to. Like, I don't Absolutely, want electric. Yeah. But, but I do see some upsides, right? Uh, the 4XE is interesting, right? It, it is, I'm not so sure on its off-road application, but its on-road is, it's torquey, and it, what it does is it, it works in the torque curves where there's, a lack of power to bring power. It it only has a 25-mile range of battery, mm-hmm. um, but it adds a lot of weight. But, you know, you get a little bit better gas mileage and a little bit better torque. Now, would I want that for my off-roader? No, I don't want that extra five 600 pounds of batteries. I don't want to worry about the electrical system underneath there. That quite requires a different certification altogether mm-hmm. to work on. Um, but here's an interesting thought. Um, they just took the Rivian cross country. Um, they did Black Bear Pass, and I've just recently seen a video of a Tesla that basically did water forwarding. And I've never thought about that. You know, you think about dunking your cell phone underwater; that's it, it's dead. But if they can waterproof an off-road electrical vehicle, there's no worry of hydro lock or mm. you know. Any, I mean, they could seriously do some water crossings um, and get in some really muddy situations where like. We're worried about our intakes that they're not worried about that at all. I mean, the 
the batteries are if they're well enough put away and protected should be no issue right. my main thing would be range and um there's actually a, a a dirt bike some guys that just took not dirt bike they took some electric harleys uh ewan mcgregor and a guy named charlie i can't think of his last name but you can watch it. i think it's on netflix it's um the long way up and they go from like south america up to the u.s on electric harleys well you can see their struggle along the way um they had rivians as support vehicles and they were having to find uh solar power places they had to find people who had generators they had to find buildings that actually had adapters that that were stronger than 110 uh or could adapt to charge their bikes charge their trucks so if i want to go right now and drive straight to colorado and wheel black bear pass i can be there in three to four days and um and, and fill up on and gas stations the whole way right. no issues so as the infrastructure grows and i know jeep has just added to their app where you can like see where there's charging stations close to their badge of honor trails as that infrastructure grows i could see it being viable but right now to me i wouldn't be buying an off-road vehicle that's electric right. it's just we're way too early oh, yeah. i think in in the um and that range, but I could see the benefits of having the torque of an electric vehicle, uh, and then not necessarily worried about fluids necessarily mm-hmm. being an issue. Um, but working on them, if something breaks, uh, and then charging them, I mean, once those batteries are dead, no one's bringing you a can of electricity out right. the woods. They're right. bringing you a generator yeah. or something. I don't. This doesn't sound like a great option for me. Sure. My biggest, my biggest turnoff to that, I think, is weight. Wait, yeah. Because I think, I want to say a Tesla Model 3 weighs like 3,800 pounds. Yeah. And that, that's heavy for Super a heavy. car. Right. That's quick and to sink. And then you've got these trucks that have the same range, and just the body is probably another 1,000 pounds heavier, and then you add the batteries on top of that. I mean, <clears throat> Jeeps, one of the nice things about Jeeps is TJs are really light. Mm-hmm. So you can do crazy steep stuff and climb really wet stuff because you don't have you're not fighting that weight, you're not fighting to get traction. Right. Um, you know, even even the new Jeeps aren't as heavy as say a Rivian. Like, okay, we're gonna lift a Rivian and take it off road. You're you're gonna struggle with your weight mm-hmm. and just getting traction because right. I mean you're basically pulling a dump truck up a hill. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, now what's the what's the dry weight on a JLU? Like 5,500 pounds. 5,500 pounds. So you yeah. throw another 700 pounds worth of batteries on there. And bumpers and bigger tires. Yeah. And right. you're, yeah, you're well over during the six now. Right. So now, to counter that, I did uh, watch a review and, and an on-road test. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one complaint about the Jeeps is that, you know, they can feel kind of rickety sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. even, even at that kind of weight, you know, 6,000 pounds or somewhere around there, that... That additional weight settled the ride down. Oh yeah, on road. And, and to your point, yeah. you know, using it as an on road vehicle, if you've got oh, a short, uh, short commute, you know, yeah. or something like that, and you just want to be in a jeep, that's okay. That's cool. You know. They, well, that's most jeep owners. I mean, most of them are getting driven on the road ninety five percent of the time, right? And then going to the beach or the mall or whatever. But then, like, there's a, there's less than you would think. I would say there's less people who use them off road. Mm-hmm. Than actually use them on road every day, that so that's going to be perfect for them. And and why Jeep's even doing it is they're getting slapped on the hand by the EPA saying they have to have sure. a vehicle with a better range on there. So they're 
the manufacturers are being forced into this. I don't think Jeep wanted to make an electric option. Yeah, so why don't they do that in, like, a Patriot? Exactly. And a Renegade. Exactly. Or something. I mean, come on. Yeah. Don't take your flagship yeah. model and uh, yeah. dumb uh, it down. No, I'm not going to say dumb it down, but... Um, electrify it. Electrify it to so, a non-excitement yeah. factor. You know? Sure. <laughs> now, I'll give... I'll end this kind of section on a positive note that I think would be cool. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're an overlander, the F-150 Lightning would be an awesome rig. And then here's like the two reasons I think this. One, you have the frunk because there's nothing in the trunk. Yep, there's yep. nothing in the engine space. So now that's way more dry storage that you have. And then when we were at SEMA, we saw an F-150 Lightning, and they had a dishwasher they had a mic- full-size microwave. Mm. They had a washer and dryer. They had an ice maker. And it was all running off the battery power what? of the F-150. Nice. So if you're a guy that wants to just like go find an awesome campsite and bring all the amenities from home, you have a huge bank of batteries and a huge bit of, of dry storage in the front. So if you're not looking to go do the Rubicon or or you know Moab or something like that, or something crazy, you just want to run some forest roads and go camping, Right. that might be an awesome option and you can probably come up with some solar oh, yeah. to keep you out there a little bit longer so right. for an overlander you know the rivian's got a cool kitchen option where you can slide it out mm-hmm. um and it's behind the back door going through the trunk or through the the, the bed of it so um yeah i think that's some, op- some cool options i just think we're too early i'm not buying one sure so, <laughs> so to the <clears throat> opposite end of the spectrum here mm-hmm. And this is what I get excited about. Okay, Power. <laughs> Power, all right? We're all gearheads here, all right? Yep. So, man, you've got Jeep just came out with multiple offerings mm-hmm. with the 392. Yep. All right. Um, I did not even know about this until Bubba's like, "Hey, research a couple of topics. You know, bring some stuff to the table." I start googling stuff. A Raptor Bronco. Really? Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this thing's built after, what, an Ultra Class 4? Yeah. You know, Baja rig or something out on like the that? Name, though. They should have called it the Braptor. Braptor? Right? It should be the Braptor. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you're seeing these crazy horsepower rigs that are coming out. Um, now, granted, I'm a V8 guy. Sure. Uh, you know, there's no replacement for displacement, sure. so the saying goes. Okay. But... I've seen the head-to-head test against the 6.2 Raptor F-150 and the twin V6 EcoBoost second-gen Raptor and with the 10-speed transmission, and Mm -hmm. 6.2 couldn't hold a candle, dude. They're making some steak, for sure. They are, you know. Um, Now, you you got to stay in its guts, you know, to sustain that power band. Sure. But it's there. Um, So I think it's interesting, in my opinion, uh, FCA just drops the SRT group, disbands mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Which they said, to my understanding, they're dispersing them so that they bring everybody else up. Nonetheless, they dispersed them. Ford Racing brings out this monster. Sure. That's some good stuff. Ford, it is. Ford don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I think uh, it's to bring... So Ford, I don't know if you saw these, these notes, but... Ford actually had a bad, um, uh, what would you call it, quarter. They're actually the only one of the groups that showed a negative quarter, while uh, Mopar showed a, a huge positive gain. In fact, their uh, truck has gotten, the Ram has actually moved up to like the first time ever to second uh, 
highest selling vehicle in the year. And, and so the Ram and the, and the Jeep and the whole Mopar brand has been doing great. Now, I think they're disbanding SRT because they're bringing another motor. The Hemi is it's an awesome motor, but it's it's outdated. I think they can do a better option. Now, as far as the turbos, I, I've never been a believer in them until I owned one. So mm-hmm. now I have the JL. It's got the 2-liter turbo. Impressive. And it has the same the same horsepower numbers as the V6 and lower torque numbers than the V6. Uh, but if you side-by-side run them, I will smoke the V6 all yep. day long. And then they ran the Bronco. Uh, I think it was the 2.7 versus the V6 and then versus the 2.0 Jeep. The, the two turbos, head-to-head, mm-hmm. dead even. They can almost not tell in a photo finish who won the race. The V6 was two vehicle lanes back. Right. So... The V6, to me, the nice thing for me, like, you get a nice V6, nice V8, there's some good bit of reliability there if you think about it. But it's sucking up gas, and you can just make so much more power in a small package nowadays, mm-hmm. so it's lighter, you're getting better gas mileage, plus there's a speed factor to it now. like, And a noise factor on the trail. The turbo oh. makes oh, just such good noises. beautiful yes. music. So. Yes. Uh, I'm interested to see what Ford's trying to do. I think they're playing a little catch-up. The TRX one, uh, the the truck of the year motor trend, where, well, actually, I think Rivian did, but the TRX one last year, the vehicle of the, the SUV SUV of the year uh, motor trend was the 392 Wrangler. So I think they're playing a little catch-up to Mopar, um, and they've been a little slow, not a little, they've been very slow on the Bronco release, so they're needing... You know, to kind of bring Some stuff to market, like right. the Raptor. So, that's just a, to me, that's just a play out of the Mopar book. Right. That's what they've done forever. They bring out the Viper, the, the PT Cruiser, the... the uh, oh, they've got the cool factor down. They bring boy. those things out, but right. uh, before it has the sales, and uh, uh, recently saw that Ford had invested $800,000 in Rivian when they first opened, and it's worth something like $200 million now. Wow. <laughs> they own a huge amount of stock. Wow. Right? So Ford's not hurting on the money, but as far as like bringing themselves relative and popular, I think, yeah, these, like the Raptor is definitely, uh, the, the Raptor Bronco is really a little bit of a stunt, but I do think it's going to be popular because um, as long as, as I've been alive, as you've been alive, there's always been the Chevy guy, the Ford guy, yep. the 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 Mopar guy. So the the Chevy guy, or whatever Jeep Ford guy, they're not afraid to buy a Jeep. But if they can get a Ford product like a Bronco, cool. Now their neighbor has a three ninety two. They want the Raptor version of right. it. The only one who's lacking right now is Chevrolet. What are they bringing the Blazer? <laughs> yeah, now, they do have some cool stuff in the uh, what do they call it the. Uh, the AT4, the GMC makes an AT4, and then like the Colorado Canyon, they're doing some stuff with AUV, yeah. but it's not a, a Bronco or a Jeep or a Forerunner, um, or even like the new Titan, the new um, Four or the Frontier. Those things are like more geared to be um, into the off-road. We don't see Chevy doing a, a whole lot. I'd like to see yeah, a two-door. Not, not making a lot of racket up. They're not bringing a two-door Tahoe back. Right. With uh, now the new what is it? Is it the Tahoe they've got now? The AT4 package. Yeah, it's slick looking. It is, but it doesn't. I don't think it's got the um, the off-road no. guts and bones to it. It's more of an appearance. It is kind of thing. It is. Um, now, you know, I'll say years ago, you know, when when Chevy 
first came out, you know, with the Z seventy one package. Sure. You know, I mean, dude, that was that was, I mean, years, years ahead of anybody else as far as an off road package or anything like that. And ride quality, build quality, off road capability, um, you know, was was a huge, huge step. But um you know, I, I think they do need to freshen their stuff up. Is the AT4 that step? Eh, maybe I'm it's the really maybe it, it's the electric Hummer that's gonna get them back. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. But I, as for me, I'm just gonna stick with the FCA products. Now, Kyle brought something up to me today. It's along the same lines of what you're talking to that. There were some renderings, I believe. You want to tell us a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, so a nice a nice artist decided he wanted to come up with uh, like a Ram Charger. Mm-hmm. So he did a Ram like Charger. Like the old school Ram Charger. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Two-door hatchback yep. uh, or liftback Ram Charger. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of off of the TRX frame. And then they did a... Was it? A Charger Charger, like a Dodge Charger. A Dodge Charger. But with a like a TRX, a TRX drivetrain, basically. Wow. Um, yeah, like a Fast and Furious Gnarly renderings like definitely yeah. looks like something yeah. Dom Toretto would drive. Yeah, <laughs> I'm liking the actual uh, Ram Charger style. Sorry, just lost the gum. The Ram Charger style. It <laughs> actually, if you saw the Bronco, they that um, that the Rock drove. Um, I want to say it was in. Fast seven or eight or something. They're releasing the Bronco. It looked more like this, right? Where it looked like an F one fifty with a camper shell, but with smooth lines all mm-hmm. built in together. And mm-hmm. then we got the Bronco we have now. It's more of the retro style. Um, this I would love to see this war between the manufacturers. Bring us back the two door Tahoe or a Blazer, absolutely, in an off road package. Give us the option of a Ram with a back seat, just two door up front. Um, I mean, because. The I'd TRX be, package. I'd be all awesome. over that Ram. Oh charger. yeah, you can fit the whole family in there. Maybe do a power wagon version of it. Comes oh, with yeah. a factory winch, and then uh, you know you already have the Bronco, um, so that would be a cool like retro throwback. You know that's what we saw like when the Challenger came out, and then the Mustang kind of got retro with it too, yeah. and then the Camaro comes back. Yeah. So I'd like to see that in SUVs. I would love to see a horsepower war, an off-road war, but we are in the day of electrification. Gas prices are up, MPGs, so all that cool gearhead stuff. I mean, we're not going to see a lot of it from the manufacturers, I'm afraid. No, no, you're not. And sorry, not to bash Chevy again, but <laughs> the current Blazer, uh, you missed your mark, guys. It's a minivan. It's a minivan. It's a minivan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was cool on paper, and to see them when they first came out, like, they had some cool lines. The concepts but, were nice, but um, the, yep. the final product is... No. No, I... Front wheel drive. It's very mom, yeah, mom friendly. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. Um, well, know, my mom wanted one. I so. know some people <laughs> that have them and they love them, but sure. it's not a blazer. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. It's more of the trailblazer, really. You know, not yes. the old school blazer that was like the S10. Um, yeah, that's not the. It's like the Bronco Two square of, body two. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, but please bring back the Ram Charger and a power wagon feature i'd be all about it mm-hmm. um, bring back the blazer the, look, the real blazer if you so if you search wb artist 20 and ram charger you can find that guys and uh, it is a beautiful looking 
rendering. I, I hope they do bring that back. You know, it's an interesting time in the industry. I get a lot of questions. Will you be working on the new Bronco? Of course. You bring me something, I'm going to work on it. Um, but I hear a lot of, what do you think the Bronco's going to do to the Jeep business? And my answer has been, and I think continue will be, is I don't think it's going to affect the Jeep business as much as it's going to affect the Forerunner business. Because the Jeep has the jail it is an updated vehicle it does have updated powertrains you have the 4xe the 2 liter turbo you have the v6 uh, now the 392 all these options and then you have the bronco come along but if you look at the forerunner the interior is still from 1998 the the tacoma is still running leaf springs in the back and drum brakes Same i engine. mean even yeah even the <laughs> i know it's reliable but it hasn't caught up with the date. Even the the even Nissan has caught up, you know. And at this point, we're seeing a battle of what they're calling mid-sized trucks. With um, you know, Ford's got their uh, what are they calling that? The Ranger, Ranger. the Maverick. Well, the Ranger, the Mavericks. Thank you, the Maverick, Honda Ridgeline. There's a Santa Fe Hyundai now. Not Santa Santa Cruz. It's like a. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a van shoe that has a truck bed on the back. Um, you know, maybe we should resurrect the El Camino. But uh, I don't know. There's all these different vehicles going along. I don't think Jeep's going to suffer too much. Where it'll suffer maybe is in uh, the higher-end mom group, right? The private school, got to have the new thing, would like to have the Bronco over the Jeep just for a little status or whatever. But I think really it's going to be the forerunner um, starting to lose a little bit of the market share until they do an update uh, on right, that end. Right. Right. And and to that, I think with the Bronco coming in with as much technology as they put into it, yep. I think one of the positives that will come out of it is it's going to drive Jeep to, you know, go above and beyond on their electronics. Like, I mean, the Rubicons are great. Mm-hmm. They have the creature comforts. I mean, you have, you can get the heated seats and, you know, and... Cold weather packages, LED yeah, bas- packages. Ba- basically, you know, everything you would need. Front-facing camera. Oh, God. <laughs> Bring it back in an XJ, right? Well, yeah. Well, they like, they brought a Cherokee back, but the and I owned one, but it they missed the mark on that one for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, Bring me a rendering of a modern Cherokee. That would be slick, you know. Um, I think they're doing a great job with the current Grand Cherokee. Even the Wagoneer, even though it's not the Wagoneer I like, the wagon the new Wagoneer is beautiful. Um, but not for a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean right. it's it's the Escalade of Jeep, but yeah. Um, yeah, bring back a regular Cherokee that's not basically a pregnant looking renegade. You know, like twelve thousand dollars, brand new, bare bones, squinty eyes on the <laughs> Please, front. Off road capability at an affordable price. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what the XJ was all about. I mean when it was, well, know, it was a, the choir, but well it was a premium vehicle at the time. It could fit your whole family. It was lightweight, unibody construction. You can go camping. I mean, like, if you were into camping in the 90s, like, you had to have a Mm. Cherokee because you could just fit everything in the back on a roof rack. And nobody was, back then, there's no four-door Jeeps. Yeah. There's a TJ. You can't fit a Coleman cooler in the back of a TJ (laughs) unless you flip the seat down. So, like, the XJ was like, that's it. Like, let's build it and take our families out camping. Um, And there's still great platforms. We don't have any options for that currently. Right. There is no affordable, um, new affordable off-roader that's lightweight with right. decent power, room for everybody. Um, it's funny, but the Bronco's making the Jeep pricing look okay. You know, yeah, like it's the, the, so expensive for a Bronco. 
Um, look at the gladiators. I mean, if you want to get in cheap right now, we're talking forty thousands for a sport model with with um, yeah. you know, with no features and crank windows and stuff like that. So right. yeah, if the manufacturers we're gonna take our advice, let's come out with a, a twenty thousand, twenty five thousand dollar. That's the one thing the Maverick. It kind of got me excited I'm about. I'm in love with it. I mean, it I looks it looks like a like the old Ranger Splash and. Uh, but you can buy them base level twenty thousand yeah. dollars. Now it's tiny. It's it's not going to fit as much stuff. Um, it's not necessarily built to do go go to go off road. You can get it in all wheel drive. But um, I can't see why a manufacturer. If you want to save gas mileage, sure. build a something unibody that looks decent um, that follows those lines. What's now, this? now I don't want to talk about it about Trailhawk, the Cherokee Trailhawk. It is a fairly capable off-roader sure. uh, and people have owned them will tell you that but it's still not the xj Mm-mm. right it's just not um bring it back i'm down for it absolutely now i have seen a trend recently of trucks right we have the trx there's the uh the power wagons the avs taking the 2500 rams and building these things called the prospectors and they're, you can get them in a flatbed you can get them in a regular bed and it's a big trend out west. Massive. Yeah, they're mm. huge. And, um, you know, I think those are an underrated vehicle right now because they're so utilitarian. Now, on the East Coast, it's kind of an issue because, like, we're tight, technical trails. Your, your pine trees are leaning over. Our Jeeps are barely fitting underneath them. Right. I couldn't imagine it. But if you're someone who lives out west, I mean, it, I don't see why you wouldn't own a full-size truck. I mean, you, these things are getting great gas mileage now. You just got a new work truck that uh, it's got the six four Hemi, and you've just piled. I'm talking to Brandon. He just piled all sorts of tools and toolboxes. So if you can imagine, if you're building an Overlander um, that you want to run in Moab that doesn't have trees, power for days. Dude. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're a guy that goes to Utah or Arizona, I wheeled in Arizona and a guy that was in a full size F one fifty. He str- had no struggles, and he had his whole family in there, his AR, his big coolers, just all the creature comforts. There's an Instagram page I love following, uh, Full Size Invasion. And, dude, this is... There could be some jokes made about that. Hey. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Kyle may have to excuse himself. Here, but, uh, yeah. He used to run a website called Full Size Invasion. Yeah, right. Got <laughs> shut down. Um, but, I mean... L- dude, L- Little Debbie shut me down. Yeah. But these are all the, you know, C10s and C20s. And, I mean, oh, they yeah. got Ram 1500s, 2500s. There's big Blazers. There's, there's old Wagoneers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know... Everything, you know, solid axle front ends. I mean, these sure. are big boys out there. And, I mean, they're hitting these, you know, they're on 40-inch tires aired down to nothing. I mean, these guys are ripping these rocks to pieces, dude. Mm-hmm. And they're just so fun to watch because, I mean, everything that we see is, I'm going to say midsize. Sure. You know, I mean, a Jeep, I don't consider that to be a full-size big honking no, vehicle. No, it's not. Um, Somewhat nimble, though. But, yeah, I mean, dude, these guys, I mean, they got all this weight and they're just... Throwing it around, and I mean, but they're just, they don't miss a beat, man. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it's fun to watch. It's different, you know? Sure. Yeah, I, I've seen, um, there's a guy called Swell Runner on YouTube. You can check him out. He, for a long time, had a forerunner, hence the name Swell Runner. And he's just rocked, uh, he's got a 2500 Ram, the AV package, and he's like, I'll never go back. I can fit, he has a deck system, so it fits all his cooking gear in there. 
He was on like 37s or 40s. It doesn't even look like him. That's what drives me crazy. Like, you put a big tire in a truck, it doesn't even look that big. Oh, yeah, Brandon's showing us a, a Wagoneer. I love a, a Wagoneer. Uh, or is that a Chief? Uh, it's, I think it's that's that's a Wagoneer. Or mm. might be a Grand Wagoneer. But it is slick. Shout out to Ken Farley. He's got a very slick Chief with a nice uh, 6 liter under the hood. Uh, LS. But, uh, yeah, man. That's the unfortunate part for us living out here in the east. It's just like full size is just not really an option. Um, two doors, TJs, XJs, you know, and really the JLs are a little tight on these trails. Even on full size forestry roads. Yeah. It can get. It can get tight. And um, so I could only imagine a guy in a, in a full size truck. These gladiators, two guys are building them with the bed racks mm-hmm. and all that. I mean,. We've talked about maybe getting one in our household, and uh, I, I would wonder what it would do at Windrock. Now, I've rode with Kevin uh, and his Gladiator. Well, he's, he's been in the group, and we rode some of the yellow trails at Windrock. It did fantastic. Yeah. And it kind of made me want one watching it happen, but we didn't get on the real tight stuff. And right. I'd see, I could see you having to do a little bit more maneuvering, maybe some winching yeah. with a, just to get your back end around or front end to pivot. Um, but out west, I mean, that long wheelbase would rock, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Uh, we got about, I don't know, five, ten minutes left of the podcast. One thing we were talking about before we came on was Kyle's now got an older TJ, right? I've got a 1988 Comanche, and uh, Brandon has got a 2001 Jeep Cherokee. And I happen to know... We all have some mods coming up, so let's maybe talk about some of the mods we're doing to our vehicles oh, and yeah. kind of why. Not fixing them because they're broken in mods, because that's not really an improvement of what you yeah. have going on, Kyle. But uh, So for me, I got the 88 Comanche. Uh, I built it as a budget vehicle. I made a video about a $3,000 Comanche. Found it. Actually, Kyle found it. Covered in what looked like mildew. Happened to be green spray paint. We stripped off of it. Threw some spare parts on it. Got it running. So now... I'm taking it to like the five grand Comanche and <laughs> want some comfort. I'm putting Corbo. Uh, I believe they're. Is it? R, you do remember the model RSR or something? R, yeah. RS. The Baja, they're, they're the Baja seats. They're they're fat boy friendly, so they're made for like a 40 inch waist. Some guys say they're up to 42. I've sat in them. They're pudding big for me. And then uh, we're doing the Corbos. I'm switching to some Zone shocks that are tuned. For the Comanche and in the right length. So one of the problems I have now is my front shocks are from oh, yeah. the JK. And they I'm almost immediately like bottom out as the front lifts. You can hear doom, doom. My, they're acting as like limiting mm-hmm. straps. So I got some that are the correct length. And they're going to be riding good. Uh, just threw some new lights on the back. And I'm thinking of switching. This isn't my bought yet. But to an AX15. Found out advanced adapters. Makes an adapter for that. Because my Peugeot transmission is a little crunchy. So, mm-hmm. but for now I'm doing a little some comfort stuff, right? I'm going to do the seats in there, kind of clean the interior up. Yep. I got a I got a new radio to put in there, uh, a Midland radio. Uh, and I'm using this thing shop truck and then at our trail cleanups. So I want good communications, room to throw stuff, but I want to ride cushy. You just yeah, put yeah. it four low, shift in third gear and just ride with the suspension seats, nice new shocks and That's just right. cruise. Not looking to go rock crawling in it. 
you know, maybe in 10 years, me and Kyle will take it to Baja and do something crazy. Full cage. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's the slow build. That's what it'll be when it's the $20,000 mansion. Yeah. Um, more. So, uh, I'll start with Kyle. I know you got some mods coming up. A winch? Yeah. So, I bought an 04 TJ off of one of our good friends. Kevin. We talked about it a little bit. It's got the yeah. gladiator. It's got the gladi. Um, bought it off of him. He decided he wanted to probably not wheel as much. Uh, but he has built his gladiator up to be able to wheel very well. Um, so bought that off of him. <clears throat> um, putting a rugged ridge trekker winch. 10,000 pounds. 10,000 pounds. Synthetic. Synthetic. Mm -hmm. um, also looking at maybe a new front bumper from CAFAM. Mm -hmm. That new Predator bumper is yep. pretty good looking. Um, Here, there's some audio in the works. Yeah, some yeah, got some, got some kicker stuff coming in. We're gonna put some nice loud boat speakers because you know how I like obnoxious yeah. audio. We just um, been talking to Kicker this week, and we're gonna be going direct with them. They're I've been using Kicker for like the last three or four years, well, for a long time, but like exclusively, really, the last three or four years, and just found the quality for the price is kind of unbeatable. Yeah, you can't uh, for the price. Personally, I mean, if you're gonna do audio, Kicker, Rockford, Fosgate, or JL. Yeah, I mean those are like your big three that you're gonna get your best quality. And the out cool of. thing about Kicker I like is the Marine line because like we did all the Marine speakers in that CJ, and and we don't have to worry about like if he gets rained right. on because he doesn't run a full size top, so that's you know we really that's the kicker for Marine kicker. speakers, Marine amps. <laughs> the amp the, the the Marine amps um, are really the the way to go these days, especially in a Jeep because mm -hmm. you leave your top off it gets rained on. There goes two three hundred. Every Jeep leaks even new. Yeah, they all leak. So. Yep. Um, also have a set of nice suspension seats. They're not the Corbos. Yeah. <laughs> got some nice suspension seats. Got a harness bar. Got some harnesses going to go in. Sure. Um, lime green, of course. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of it for now. I uh, got to do some repairs because I made some bad choices. Yeah, we got to rebuild a Ford 88 rear end. Um, the cool part is, is TJ has a Ford 88. The uncool part is it's missing two of the teeth. Two, in the ring two ring gear teeth are... are so we got some nitro gears coming from Washington State, and they'll be here in a couple of days, and we'll start rebuilding that thing. But I, uh, got to scramble to get it broken before Windrock, because yeah. it's coming up fast. So what's the idea on the TJ we're, we're aiming for? I know we're going to take it to Windrock, but like kind of cruising around town, daily driver, and then uh, yeah, so a little bit of rock crawling. It's got a long arm on it. Long arm kit, uh, e-lockers front and rear. A little bit of a cage. Five speed. It's got the um, Smitty built half cage in it. Mm -hmm. um, the idea is... Possibly uh, Dana 44 front, 37s down the road. Um, I've got two other vehicles I can drive, so I mean, why not build it as a full-blown full, full trail rig? Um, uh, talking about getting a truck and trailer. So, you know, definitely down the road, um, I'd want it to be a gnarly off-road rig. Just something I can take out. I don't worry about beating up. Um, Extend the wheelbase one time. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, yeah. You know, I've... I've I had a JK and we we talked about doing a you know extended wheelbase on it. Although it was plenty long enough, but why not you know extend it and run 42s or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so this one, I think the biggest I would go on that would be 37s, just because it is a. What was that? I have, there's something yelling at me. I think it might be our camera. Um, yeah, doing a just since it is a two door, you know, short wheelbase. I think 37s would be the biggest I would want to go. Yep. Safely. Yeah. It would look cool. Um, unless, unless I do, you know, Dana 60s and really get it wide, but. Yeah. 
That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, good to hear. We'll uh, we'll check back in with you because I'm going to rotate these guys. So Kyle will be coming back to us uh, on the podcast, you know, probably in four to six weeks. So we'll check in yep. and see where it's at and um, and how Windrock fares for you. I think I'm going to actually shoot a video of uh, uh, the pre-Windrock um, build stuff that comes up to me before we go to Windrock because it, it always happens. Right oh. before Windrock, we're planning to go into February. Mm-hmm. Well, mid, kind of. 20th, Late right? February, 19th. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so we're going to 19th. So if you're going to be in Windrock that time, you might see us gallivanting and going crazy out there. And um, Hit us up on Facebook, don't, Instagram. Don't forget that I'm just pictures. coming off a dry January. So I, I won't be drinking on the trail, but before we get on the trail, uh, the night before in the cabin, Throw it down. I might have a little red-eye syndrome the next morning if you see me <laughs> on the trail. But uh, um, anyways... So it always happens like right before like so I'm gonna do four new tires on on the wife sheep on the JL. Um, you've got to do some rear end work, put in a winch, and then Brandon, I got a nice box in from Adam's drive shaft right now. Yes, sir. What's going on in the yes, XJ? Sir. You just All did right. some new headlights. Yeah, we did the uh, Holly retro retro bright retro brights. Yeah, uh, we went with the three K. Mm-hmm. Um, been keeping very, it classy. Yep, classy. Um, my headlights, I had one that was cracked and busted and just dim. And so this has been a huge upgrade for safety, visibility. Mm-hmm. They look, look great. great. Yeah. Uh, and it keeps that look. Um, yeah. so we got those put on, um, you got another nice looking box over there with some, uh, Smitty built. Smitty built the XRC gen three. Yep. Um, so we're finally getting some proper recovery gear yeah you just had a jcr diy bumper you had one yep uh you made a trade with a guy who has a comanche yeah yeah so he's uh (laughs) he's getting an upgrade on his front bumper yep yeah and then you got the winch bumper got the winch now you got to run a winch yep and the last guy in our group to get a winch yep so now we all have winches which is nice i should be getting some uh I don't know, you know, if we're gonna do some rigids or Baja designs or mm-hmm. more moto, uh, more moto, four bangers, uh, four bangers or something like that up front. Um, we have all the options. We definitely have an upgraded uh, transfer case coming in. Yep. We're surprised that mine's lasted as long as it has. So <laughs> yeah, we can hear a bearing dropping noise, and we pulled Brandon's transfer case, and we could turn it over, and you can hear the bearings hear falling. It? You can hear. Yeah. As you, well, this was the last Windrock trip. Yeah. We could it's been hear been it over a year. Yeah. It sounds like a, a loose bike chain or something. And um, yeah, so you found a new transfer. So case. So we found a transfer case, but it's out of a TJ. TJ. So it bumped up my time frame on my plans to do a rear drive shaft and an SYE yep. slip yoke eliminator. So that should get rid of some drivetrain. You should. Drive line vibrations. Absolutely. Uh, be a little more reliable. Mm-hmm. So I'll have Adam's shafts front and rear. Yep, nice and um, strong. Yep. And uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. Now, is, is, that, is that transfer case a different ratio than no. what came in Same the ratio. Same ratio? Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. different tail shaft yep. than the extra. So, so we're doing a trail-ready um, SYE. We wanted a Terraflex. They were out of stock. Because we went trail-ready. We're doing that uh, with Adam's shaft. And, um, you know, those are just tough, awesome shafts. You already have one in the front. Yeah, been very pleased with it. in the rear. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got the auto locker in the rear, kind of the limited slip in the front now. you got the gears. Um, you, you 
your tires are locked in. I mean, we taking it from being kind of just in a nice clean form uh, now with the lights, new bumper, the winch. I mean, we're getting close to running out of stuff, but we still have a list of stuff. You maybe want to do some suspension seats yeah, down the road. Um, and your plan is like, right, you, you want it as something you can drive. Yep. You don't have to drive it every day, but yep. you, but you, you want to be able to drive it um, and then build it purposely to, to go ride. Okay, so Brandon gets cut off right here because we weren't paying attention to the recording and we ran out of time with the app we use we only get an hour but basically we actually finished and wrapped this up not even a minute after this and what brandon said was yeah he wanted a daily driver that he could keep up with um just about any of the jeeps in the group as and be able to build it over time pretty much with a budget conscious uh uh, goal in mind so anyways um i thank the guys for being on the show and we just uh said thank you for listening hope you like the new format please be sure to subscribe and leave comments and reviews and uh spread it all over facebook and uh, social media so hope you enjoyed the new format on the podcast we're going to keep them to an hour so we don't have this little issue right here where it gets cut off but uh thanks for listening i hope there's an adventure in your future I'm Jeep and Bubba. Eat your prunes, and we'll be seeing you.